Maybe that's why I'm sick. Maybe I just need to work it out of me. You think working out will help? No, it'll make it worse. But. Yeah, I agree. I think it'll make it worse as well. Hi, uh, my name is Chris, and I am an addict alcoholic. Hi, Chris. Uh, my name's Kim, and I am married to an addict alcoholic. Hi, Kim. Uh, so w- I was sick last week. Yep, and you don't have the COVID. Yep. You were naysaying <laughs> that I had the COVID the whole time, which was correct. I, oh, that, that you didn't have it? Yeah. Oh, we kind of wished you did, though. That way you had like a mild version of it. Yeah. And now I'm sick. Now you're sick. But my COVID results came back a lot quicker within the day. Which is that, so they did the up the nose thing, you said? No, but because I'm a healthcare worker, they can order a different one. They don't have to send to the mail. They send it to the hospital. Oh, okay, okay. So I got it 10 hours later, oh, which geez. is pretty good. They yeah, told me 24 hours. I only had to wait a week. Yeah. but I, I'm just a dumb civilian. Which, if you would have told them you lived with a healthcare provider, they would have done the quicker one. Because yeah. I read their policy, but that's probably the last thing on your mind when you're feeling like crap. Yeah. Um, but yeah, my results came back, but I still feel miserable. But yeah, I'm here but for you guys. <sighs> yeah. I've been holding on to something just for you. Are you ready? Okay. So uh, I was testing out... Um, because I was on somebody else's podcast today and I was trying to find the cords for this new thing that I have on the computer. And so I'm going through all these boxes and boom, I open up a box and there are two empty shooters in there. Oh yeah. That sucked. Like I felt like I didn't have, um, the, um, euphoric recall but what i did have was the i remember um when i would when i would hide drinking i would um i would i I, if i drank a certain amount and i could tell that i wasn't drunk enough that it was only going to last like a little while then i would start to panic and like look for other things or like think of how i could get more um so that that drunk would would last longer and that feeling so that I saw two empty shooters and that that feeling of like oh fuck I'm out like that rush came right back and I was like about to start rough um rustling through more boxes and I was just like fuck dude like that's a, a thing that I did not expect because and I mean we've talked about it in the sense that like Addiction is not just um, using itself. A lot of addicts, it's the the search or the hunt, as they mm. say, to find that stuff can be a big part of it too. And that's an aspect of the addiction that I didn't think, I, I didn't expect that to to feel that that intense. Yeah, that was probably. What the, if you would have found something? I, I don't know, man. Yeah, that's scary shit. That is. Well, my first thought was, so the first thing was that rush of like, we have to find something like that, that sense, which is so hard to describe. Like, I don't know. It's really weird, but you know what it's kind of like is, 
um, looking f- like looking through stuff and finding an old photo and then being like, oh, I wonder if there's there's more old photos. And so you start opening up boxes to see if there's more of that same thing mm-hmm. or if you'll be surprised by something like that's that's what that felt like. Um, but the other thing that I thought of was I thought that you had gone through all the boxes and gotten rid of everything. Cause remember I went I, through the one trunk that you used to hide things in. I didn't know oh, there that was, was it. I didn't know there was other places. You made it seem like that one time we had the conversation. You said it was just the trunk. Yeah. But when I was in treatment, remember I was like, go through everything because well, not that sorry. Not when that you I'm, were in treatment, I was busy with other things too. I had two sick kids, COVID true. taking care of kids working. It's true. So I guess I didn't really, I thought where else would you, where, where'd you find these? What box? In uh, one of the cameras that we're using, one of those old boxes. So is there anything else in any of those boxes? Not, I, I mean, the the only other box that I looked in was, I. so I did just look in my camera boxes. I didn't go rooting through all of the other boxes, luckily. Um, but I mean, that's another reason why, like, it sucks. I hate, like, I'm going to have to edit all of this tonight. And it's, I hate that feeling of like, God, dead, like deadline thing mm-hmm. when it comes to podcasts. But it's another reason why I have to keep doing this. Cause I'm not doing AA. I'm not doing any other, not doing zoom meetups or anything. So this is a space that like still keeps me accountable. Yeah. You know what I mean? Sorry. <laughs> Some dog hairs on there. I don't know. That's crazy. I know. I didn't think that was going to happen, but that's, I mean. I guess it's just a reminder of how bad your addiction was. Yeah. Well, yeah. And how quickly it can change. Because like, I think just last week I was saying like, I, I don't know, I, I don't know what that feeling feels like anymore. And then to have that happen yesterday. Yeah. Sure. You okay? Yeah, I'm fine. All right. I just got uncomfortable. Okay. All right. Thoughts, comments. <laughs> That's scary. Now I feel like I have to dig through yeah, that whole closet, and I don't like that. That's what. I, and it I made wanted, me nervous. I wanted to tell you, so t- because a big thing that would happen in treatment is that somebody would say they knew where they had liquor. I mean, home. when you were in the hospital, you told me where you still had some shooters. Yeah, got rid of those, but. I mean, it's not like you didn't tell me not to go through those boxes, but yeah. now I feel like I have to dig in that hole. Yeah. And that's what I, I, I thought you had gone through all of that stuff. So I was, yeah, it t- completely took me by surprise. Yeah. Um, but so, like I was saying, the, a big thing was that people would say that they knew where stuff was and that they were going to throw it away when they got out. Oh. Which is puts you in so much danger. You yeah. have to. And I don't think we've talked about that on here. Like, don't, don't trust yourself. I think <laughs> if things- you're in recovery and you genuinely want to get rid of all of that stuff, you got to have somebody with you. Yeah. I think thankfully, if you hit anything, it's empty. Yeah. And that, and that's, I was very much a uh, trash panda in that regard where like most of the stuff that was in there was all, like empty stuff that mm-hmm. I would be putting like so that it wouldn't show up in a garbage can or something. Yeah. So there's, at yeah, least that's that. like when the cops showed up, I couldn't find your alcohol anywhere. I dug through yeah. the gar. I had, I went outside and had to dig through the garbage in front of the Ugh. officers. 
So I was like waist deep digging into the garbage trying to find something and I couldn't find yeah. anything. Yeah, I don't even know where I don't even know where I put that stuff. Yeah, I think it was so I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. I know I used to hide stuff in the back of the car. Yeah, I looked there. Underneath the thing. It wasn't there. But but yeah. I, I may have found it and threw it away and I just don't rec- remember just cuz you know. Yeah. But yeah, that's I just don't don't do it yourself and don't be like dramatic about it and like this is something that I have to conquer like you're not superman the odds are just too great that you're going to just use it yeah or that you're going to say I'm not going to get rid of it I'm going to hide it to like test myself I would hear people say that too like like as it Why would you do that? Remember Nurse Jackie? The, yeah is that what the show was called? Where she was, was addicted to pain pills. And she had that one pill that she put in that like wedding ring box. Okay. And she said that it was a reminder for like being a year sober or something like that. And she ended up popping it. I know. Why would you even risk it? Exactly. So, and I know that's a TV show, but that goes, it's very I granted common. they're TV shows. They take things from real life, you know, reality yes, yep. and make it, put it into TV shows. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Addiction is addiction is addiction, man. Yeah. Like you're not proving anything to anyone. Yeah. No. If you told somebody that you have a, a bottle of liquor and you're leaving it there just to prove how strong you are, they would tell you how dumb that is. Yeah. It's, well, you, I wouldn't tell someone they're dumb for that, but I'd be like, this, if that's it's a probably friend, not the though, best. Day. Yeah, I guess. Yeah. If somebody who cares about you, they're going to say, what? No, yeah. don't do that at all. Is it hard for you to drive by the liquor stores you used to purchase from? I am usually, I'll call somebody or I will um, be, I'll be doing something with, I know it's not the safest thing, but like something with my phone, like looking for an episode or a song that I want to hear. Like every time now it's like muscle memory. Every time I am at the stop that, that traffic light by Mm -hmm. Perkins, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. then I start distracting myself. Yeah. And I like, don't even look left. Cause that's, I mean, I, sorry if that's confusing for people, but the liquor store that I would go to the most often was really close to my work. And so I drive by it on my way home every day. You drive by it twice a day. Yeah. Yeah. You're right. So it's like walking by your dealer twice a day. Yeah. Yeah. And they wouldn't give a fuck. No. If I went in there, no. they would just let it happen. I don't think dealers really care either. I don't think so either. Oh, okay. I think our caller is ready. Hello. Hey. Am I on? <laughs> you are on. Yes. Are you anonymous? Hello. Uh, am I anon? Well, like, are you going to be anonymous on this? Oh, it doesn't have to be. No, not at all. I'm not even certain of what uh, what the format is. But no, this oh. is Derek Johnson. <laughs> <laughs> Hi, Derek. Uh, my name is is Chris. And uh, yes. I, I, I'm an addict alcoholic. Mm-hmm. And uh, what what would you claim yourself to be, sir? I suppose an addict. It's uh, People don't like to uh, use that term when it comes to, uh, I guess, like marijuana and like occasional pain medication. But that, I mean, it's still uh, a substance uh, abuse issue, I suppose. Yeah. But Absolutely. Well, it's like people can be addicted to, you know, 
I know people don't like to say you you can't be addicted to marijuana, but you absolutely can. Yeah. It's not of so course, much yeah. like a physical, it's that mental, that desire and that need. You know what I'm saying? That's an, that's enough to be physical. Oops. Definitely cuz I was able to uh I was able to quit smoking cigarettes pretty much no problem, uh but quitting smoking weed is like essentially out of the question for me. Ah, I see. So and I mean our, our our mutual friend i mean we've met each other a handful of times but oh yes um our our buddy james um <laughs> yeah had had spoke very highly of you oh that's i appreciate that a lot i actually got to see james for the first time in weeks tonight i ran into him at acme that was really nice oh really very sweet yeah, he's doing well everyone's actually looking really good i'm really happy to see it i saw uh, do you know ira ford yeah saw Ira Ford for the first time since like March. And that's one of my closest friends in the local comedy scene. And really? good Lord, he looks incredible. He's lost. <laughs> like he doesn't seem like he uh, even knows it, but he's lost a bunch of weight and he's looking a lot happier and healthier. And so like, it's just, it's nice to see people like coming out on the other side of all of this, like with a little bit of a positive attitude. I mean, we're obviously not out of the woods yet, but it's just nice to see people doing well and taking care of themselves. Yeah, and shit. It's those little victories, man. They, they, make a big difference exactly exactly now um i'd 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 love to dive a little bit into your your history uh if that's okay of course of course so tell me Uh, um your your first time using good sir uh first time i guess uh first time i ever did anything that wasn't like you know just like fucking junk food <laughs> was um i i like i drank a beer when i was like i think 13 with my friends because i was like oh yeah man we'll be fucking cool if we drink a beer and um and i was like this tastes like shit i don't feel cool at all let's play nintendo this is junk. <laughs> um and so uh i i i had always like for some reason just gravitated towards stoner types and like stoner comedy and shit like that and i always thought like I, as a little kid i was like weed's cool man you know that's what makes you cool all the cool guys smoke weed and like you know they were always the funny characters in movies and shit there's always the guy cracking wise was the dude with a joint in his hand gosh and I was like, that's oh, so you know. true now that you say that that's yeah, true wow i hadn't thought about yeah. that weed weed was so, yeah we nobody ever associated like a horrible person with weed that yeah no not really there was never really like poster children for weed that were just like shit box people you know it was always like i mean i grew up like emulating a stoner watching scooby-doo for christ's sake like yeah. shaggy like was obviously a stoner you mm-hmm. know um and uh it's a, it was a whole lot of like it was presented as like yeah this is the drug that's a joke like it's like wow. it doesn't matter if you do this you know and so when i was like younger i was like always interested in comedy and always wanted to be the funny guy and i was like weed makes you the funny guy like wow if i've learned anything from tv and movies it's that weed makes you the funny guy and so as soon as it became an opportunity for me to try marijuana i was like full speed ahead i was like fuck yes you have weed and i can smoke it like i'm so ready and um my friend when i was in eighth grade he had found out that his parents smoked weed and because like he was just kind of a little asshole and he would dig through their stuff you know when they weren't at home okay and uh he found a jar of some just like shitty old people weed and um he uh he fucking he found like a dugout in there just full of you know fucking sturgis bike week weed and i was like 
yeah, dude, let's smoke that. And um, we didn't know how to how a dugout or like a oney worked or anything. So he was like, we'll roll it up in like printer paper <laughs> and and smoke it like a joint. And so uh, I told him, uh, all right, like let's uh, let's do that. I guess sure. And uh, the day comes, and we were texting each other because uh, like. Uh, we didn't have Facebook back then and all that. So we're text messaging each other in the morning before school. I'm like, I'm going to get Doritos at the gas station and I'm going to get like Mountain Dew. It was like the stereotypical like movie stoner list. It was like essentially the list that he rattles off in half baked, like get some Funyuns and water, you know? And like, so we, we got all that. And then uh, zero hour hits. I go home and he's like, all right, uh, come over at like seven. My parents are going out for the night. And I got scared shitless. I was like, ah, oh. I'm going to be a drug user if I do this. And uh, I decided not to. I was like, I'm going to, I I don't feel good, man. And he was pretty much like, you're a pussy. <laughs> Just like <laughs> smoked weed by himself. And then um, told me it was like the best thing that ever happened to him pretty much. He was like, you missed out on a shitload. I had more fun than I've ever had. And I was like, well, fuck. And then about a week later, a girl who I had had like a sort of a thing for was like, do you want to come over? Some people are going to smoke weed tonight. I was like, yes, yes, yes. And uh, I went and smoked weed with him and absolutely nothing happened. <laughs> um, I, I smoked probably just like shitty swag with all these just like dirtbag kids from Champlin and nothing happened. And I was like, is this weed is this being high this is fucking stupid and everybody just got sleepy like this dude who we were with just like fell asleep on his couch and we were at his house and we were sitting in his unfinished basement and like he fell asleep and the other people who had invited me there were like well we're gonna leave because we're bored and uh and i had gotten a ride from them but they they didn't even ask me if i wanted a ride they just left and so i was like I, so so I just I just get to watch this sleepy guy all night, dude. Weed fucking sucks. Mm. And then for about like a month, I kept doing that. Like every week, like I'd go smoke with these guys like two or three times a week, and nothing would fucking happen. But they'd get sleepy, and I wouldn't get high. And I was like, this is dumb. And so that's really interesting. For, like, yeah, and uh, I didn't smoke again for like two years because I was like, weed doesn't work. I'm one of those guys where weed just doesn't work, right? And uh, God, come like being 16 or something like that. I'm hanging out with this guy who's like uh, from Ham Lake. Uh, he had like, he was the only person I ever hung out with who had like parents that had their shit together. <laughs> and uh, so he, I was like, oh, he's, he's going to get nice house weed. So this is going to be crazy. Um, and so he, uh, he, he picked up weed from some random ass kid in Ham Lake and it, it looked like it was made in a goddamn laboratory. I was like, this isn't weed. Where's the sticks? Like, what, what is this? Um, and so we, we smoked that and I got higher than I think I've ever been in my life. You know, the stereotypical story of like, oh yeah, that doesn't work. So I smoke way too much. And then it's like, oh, that works way too well. And, uh, then I became sleepy guy on the couch watching spinal tap in, uh, in my friend's basement. And, uh, I've just been that guy ever since just the sleepy guy on the couch watching spinal tap. I'm like, yeah, this is what's up. And, uh, in between, I experimented with other things. I think when I was like 16 was when I, I tried this stuff called K2. Mm. Uh, if you guys are familiar yeah, with that. Very yeah, very familiar. Was, uh, that's synthetic, really bad. Synthetic. Oh, that's really yeah. bad. Yeah. yeah, really bad. Yeah, I've so, seen kids that have smoked it who become very psychotic and sometimes they don't 
it doesn't reverse unfortunately sometimes yeah i have a i have a friend who has like essentially what what would be considered like acid flashbacks but because of k2 and um because this stuff wasn't ever regulated by the fda or anything uh they didn't know what was being put into it it was just mystery you know liquid or rather you know mystery uh substance but uh he um he has uh something where i i can't i'm not a fucking doctor i don't know shit about the human body or neuropathy or anything like that but um he'll trigger hallucinogenic flashbacks uh and it's not every time but and he only did dmt i think a handful of times in high school so he's 26 now and still to this day uh occasionally if he has an intense enough orgasm it will make him have a hallucinogenic flashback similar to the effects that k2 caused him wow that's bananas. And it lasts for about like two minutes or less, he says. That makes sense because it, it could be that the dopamine reaches a level that activates yeah. that part that because, you know, I mean, euphoric recall is is what that is. And um, yeah, if your brain remembers that enough vividly, then, yeah, I, that. So I suppose when you have that orgasm, that dopamine increases and it. Yeah. You know, OK. Yep. Yeah. So it's sort of a, it's, it's like a, I guess you could consider it almost like a, a hot shot of sorts where it's like you're awakening something dormant Jeez. and it's, it creates this like a intense sensation. And, uh, the experience I had with K2 though was very, very fucked up. Um, uh, it was like, I was 16 or 17. I honestly can't remember. I think I was 17. And, um, we were, uh, me and someone who I actually do a podcast with, uh, Derek calendar, uh, we're hanging out. Uh, he doesn't smoke really uh, but at the time we both smoked cigarettes and uh, we were hanging out outside of a gas station just like flagging down people trying to get people to buy us cigarettes and uh we were in ramsey so nobody wanted to because it was all like you know just bougie white people who yeah. were like mm, no because we had like mohawks and shit we were like little <laughs> punk rock jerks um so they're like yeah get get a job basically and uh this one dude showed up and he was like oh shit and uh oh i was about to say his name but i probably shouldn't but <laughs> uh, so uh he uh this guy pulls up that he knows from school and he's like he's 18 he can buy us cigarettes and i was like well fuck yeah man okay now i remember we were 16 because we were looking for an 18 year old that's right uh so he uh he went in got us uh, some smokes and we were like what are you up to man and he's like oh i was just about to go smoke a bowl go for a cruise and i was like hell yeah man let's do that shit and then my buddy was like yeah i'll, I'll come with whatever so we parked in a parking lot of uh of like a park in ramsey just like some municipal parking lot and uh He pulled out like a big ass like orange bowl with all this crazy filigree on it, you know, a neato like professional stoner looking bowl. And I was like, we're about to get high, boys. And uh, then he pulled out two different bags. And I was like, oh, he's got two different kinds of weed. Like this guy's like on another level. And he was like looking at either bag like one in either hand just like kind of looking back and forth and like just like staring at them meticulously and the bags looked like identical and then he sort of like shrugged took the bag in his right hand put it under the seat and then opened the bag in his left hand and started packing the bowl and so i didn't find out until later he was trying to figure out which one was k2 and which one was weed oh wow and so he ended up packing the bowl with k2 and uh i smoked a whole bowl of k2 with this guy and i was holding that shit in like forever because 
back then I was like broke as shit. And I'm like, you hold in weed for as long as you can't breathe anymore. Cause you need to get as high as you can for as cheap as you can. And, yeah. uh, the longer you hold in K2, the more fucking intense the experience would be. Cause the longer you're just holding those mystery chemicals inside your fucking lungs. Jesus. So I smoked a whole bowl with this guy. And, uh, while we were smoking, he was doing fucking, I can never forget this. Cause it's like such a weird, like it was the, the strangest, like, shift in emotion i've ever had of like being like ecstatic and happy and having a great time to immediately feeling the most morbid dread i've ever felt in my entire life and uh it was uh he was he had a children's book like a dick and jane book in his car for whatever reason and he was reading the dick and jane book as death clock characters like from the show metalocalypse <laughs> and uh i was just like thinking i was getting stoned so i sort of had that psychosomatic like giggly thing going on and stuff and i was oh, like yeah okay. man this is great just sitting around giggling with my buddy and then suddenly my vision like zoomed out and like i i'm not gonna get too verbose because i hate when people start talking about like this is what my trip was like man because it's always like i've tripped and that sounds like a bunch of bullshit <laughs> but uh so, you know, I, things started to kind of zoom out. Like I had, had sort of like the Hitchcock effect where, you know, the vertigo effect, everything's oh. like feeling like it's drifting away from me, but the background is like imploding forward. And I was like, something's wrong. Like immediately was like, this is not right. And then my vision just started to like blacken, like almost like when you're pressing on your eyeballs and you can feel like that pressure and kind of see the pressure build up. Oh. I don't know if that makes sense or not. Oh, but, absolutely. Uh, yeah, like when you rub your eyes in the morning and you can sort of see the light of the pressure, yep. I guess, is the best way I could describe it. So I, I saw that and felt like a, pre like a pressure on like the front of my fucking brain. And then I heard my friend in the front seat go, he's going to throw up, get him out of the car. And that's like the last thing that I can recall, like from like the real world. And then I just got blasted off the fucking K2 land. And um they, they pulled me out of the back of the car, and as soon as they pulled me out of the car, uh, according to them, I had, like, a massive seizure, but I don't recall oh having God. a seizure. Uh, I remember seeing, like, essentially, what this is going to be a, a very deep cut, so I'll be very happy if you know what I'm talking about. Uh, did you ever play Pokemon Gold or Silver on the Game Boy Color? I did not. <laughs> there's a the, the first so for any listener or anyone else who might know what the hell i'm talking about there's a mini game in pokemon gold and silver where there's like little tiles like a puzzle tiles and you're trying to solve a puzzle that's like a fossil and you can make different shapes with the puzzle pieces that sort of look like it would be a complete puzzle but it's not the actual image you're supposed to be making and for whatever reason, my brain snapped to that. And like all I was seeing was like a shape that I had accidentally created in the puzzle mini game of Pokemon. But I didn't see like, you know, the border of the Game Boy or anything. Like my vision was as if I was directly in front of those slates, just staring at them. And wow. uh, all that was happening was sort of like a, like a pulsation. Like I just felt and heard like a pulse, like a heartbeat kind of deal. And then uh you know just had a stereotypical trip beyond that like i said i don't want to get too verbose about it because it's always like really that's what happened sure it's giving, <laughs> so me, just, it's giving me anxiety just hearing about all this i hate that feeling i'm gonna i'm gonna be <laughs> honest with you i've heard of other people on k2 that have had seizures mm -hmm. yeah it's it's uh it's definitely uh it's no joke man and uh i i woke up in the back of an ambulance and yeah. um they they had uh, 
they were like frantic as fuck when they woke me up and they were like, you know, checking my eyes and shit and doing all types of shit. And like, they pulled a tube like out of my mouth when I was waking up. And like, so they had like put a tube down my throat to like, I don't know if it was like to reinflate my lungs. I don't think it was that, but like they, they, they put a tube down my throat for whatever reason. Probably um, help you breathe. And, yeah. That's, yeah. So that's like and, a type uh, of intubation. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then they said that they had to defibrillate me because my heart seized. So that uh, that was like a catalyst to everyone in high school. Then starting to call me zombie was uh, that was my nickname past that because they were like, this is the guy that literally died because uh, the the paramedics when they showed up because uh, my friends. Uh, we're trying to take care of me in the parking lot because I guess I was throwing up and I had like multiple seizures and shit. And uh, someone driving by was like, he needs an ambulance. And they were like, no, it's fine. And they were like, fuck you. We're calling an ambulance and the police. And uh, so the guy who had picked us up fucking dipped after that. And my friend who had been with me the whole day stayed there, uh, gave like a fake description of the guy to the police because they basically thought that someone fucking drugged me. Oh. <laughs> uh, they oh, they wow. thought we got picked up by someone and they drugged me. And like that was essentially like the story that we told. And then the story that I told my parents was that like, I, cause they thought that I was allergic to weed. I had somehow convinced my parents that I was allergic to marijuana so that I would never get in trouble for possibly like smelling like it or something. Like, all my friends were smoking it, you know? So what I told them was someone was smoking marijuana in a car with me and I had a major allergic reaction to it, to the smoke. And that's what they thought the whole time. And, uh, that, that's that's how I got away with like not getting a massive scolding from my parents of like you overdosed on street chemicals um, but uh, it yeah I, I guess I don't know where to decrescendo from that point because it is such like an intense thing to say like yeah so the paramedics came out of the ambulance and just told my friend yeah he's dead well okay this is a lot of things <laughs> Yeah, there's a lot to unpack. So, okay, first thing is I've never heard someone so cheerfully describe a near-death experience. <laughs> like, it, you sound a... so enjoyable. <laughs> like, not, not in the sense that, like, you think it's a funny thing, but, like, we've talked about it on here before, which is, uh, like, trauma bonding. Um, yeah. So, tra- like... And this is something that would happen in treatment all the time. We would be laughing about these insane things that would happen. Um, And it's like, mm -hmm. what else can you do? The fact that you're alive is almost like comical. Like it's exactly it's insane that that you pull through. Um, It's it's Buster Keaton in my mind. That's always what I (laughs) equate it to is Buster Keaton. So for starters, uh, um, I'm glad you're still here. Thank you. You know, and people can have hyperemesis, so they vomit a lot when they smoke pot. Some people have like some type of intolerance to marijuana. That's what I've heard. It's it's an aversion. Well, and we know that that's not what you. Well, no, no, no. I know that K two is so bad, so so bad. But when you talked about that alert, telling your parents that you had an allergic reaction, people listening might be like, "What the heck?" But they're they're legit people who will. And when I say hyperemesis, I mean you vomit significant yeah. amounts if you smoke pot yeah and get very yeah. sick yeah it's like, you're having like an, an allergic a, reaction in your lungs <laughs> yep well i mean you're yeah you're you're streamlining something that you have an aversion to i, I exactly. i've heard a lot of arguments that people aren't allergic to weed which i find hard to believe because you can be allergic to anything 
You can. Um, just, exactly. It's just a ask, uh, Like, of course you can be allergic to it. Just ask Andy Matfield. <laughs> does he have an allergy <laughs> does to everything? Does he just have, like, a list <laughs> yeah, of allergies? he's allergic to everything. Because um, he's told me, like, some of them, because, like, he, he makes great food. I've had, uh, he, I've had dinner at his place before, and, like, he always cooks, like, with, like, very specific spices and stuff because yes. of allergies. Yep. And his food always tastes so good because of that. <laughs> Whatever he's using, I'm like, dude, I want to be allergic to what you're allergic to. This shit slaps. This is great. <laughs> um. Okay. So, you have this experience, and yeah. do you remember? Like, did your stance on smoking change after that event, or did you just say I... no to K two? So I I don't think I ever softened my stance on marijuana. If anything, I think that emboldened me to be like, this has never and will never happen to me with marijuana. Like, Interesting. Okay. And, and like, so that I feel like was sort of like a, a pseudo safety net that I had created mentally to sort of be like, no, you never need to quit marijuana because that never happened to you on marijuana. And it was sort of almost like a... For, I guess for lack of a better term, like correlation versus causation kind of thing where it's like, no, this is good because nothing bad has happened to you on it. So that means it's good. <laughs> and uh, so I, I just sort of like never would listen to people being like, you know, maybe uh, maybe you should like try being sober. You know, I just like maybe shut up. How about that? You know, <laughs> and I, I always sort of approached it with like like because I said I was always inspired by funny stoners. So I sort sure. of always approached it with like a comedic aspect where it's like. Nah, weed's a joke. It's it's the joke drug, like I said earlier. So it's not a big yeah. deal. But anytime anyone would talk about synthetic anything, though, I was always like, man, you're better off just sitting staring at a wall, you know? Uh, okay. Now, all that being said, I do, I do wonder because you were saying that you know people had told you maybe give being sober a shot, and something that is said, and I'm sure you've heard this before, when it comes to addiction is. Um, this thing hasn't happened yet. So it's not exactly. that it can't happen. It's just the, the concept that the, the more that you use, the, the greater your chances are of, of having something negative happen. Cause I mean, if you get way too high and drive, there's all kinds of bad things. It's the same as driving, um, uh, driving drunk or driving buzzed. Like you can, and anytime that somebody makes an excuse to say, well, I'm, I've never had a bad experience driving high. Like those same people will also say that they've like seen shadows jump or like something has messed with you while you're driving that kind of made you go, Whoa, that was weird. And it's like that, yeah. that little thing is a, a danger in itself. So I, it takes a, Oh, sorry to take the reins, uh, but it, uh, <laughs> it takes a millisecond for everything to change, you know? And, uh, whether it be because you looked at your phone for a second or because you were thinking about something stupid because you were high, you could easily fucking crash. And like even worse than just kill yourself, you could kill someone else and their their, their family and friends lose them because of your selfish decision. Yeah. And the, the same goes for driving under any intoxicant whatsoever. And um, yeah, I've never I've never been one of those people that's like, 
yeah, driving on weed's not a problem because you hear all the fucking hack jokes that are like, you wait for the stop sign to turn green. And it's like, shut the fuck up, dude. You're, you're, you're just facilitating people like uh, on, on paper. It's there are people taking drugs, driving cars. Do I sound like a total herb right now? Yeah, but I'm, I, <laughs> that's, no, the, that's, that's the reality. Yeah. And, and I, I've had to do that stuff too, where you have to say objectively, you, you do have to create a, like objective truths when it comes to sobriety. So, I mean, I, yeah, I completely, you herb it up, man. <laughs> yeah. It, I, I, uh, I love that term. <laughs> um, I, I, yeah, I, I hate that. I, I seem like I'm a massive, uh, flag waver for weed and I am in many ways. Uh, but am I going to tell someone all your problems are going to get fixed if you smoke weed. Absolutely not. Cause uh, here I am with a litany of problems and I smoke weed every day. <laughs> and sure. uh, it's a, uh, it's not uh it's not anything uh, caused by or made easier by weed either. It's just something that I've made a part of my life. And uh, I think uh, unfortunately for a lot of people who are addicted to any substance, whether, you know, be cigarettes, alcohol, uh, any sort of drug, um, you sort of will make, excuses for yourself that you'll then say out loud to others to sort of affirm it and you'll make it sort of a global statement of no everyone can do this sort of thing or everyone deals with this or um i know people who have dealt with and uh, you'll kind of use these uh these things as a defense mechanism to disarm some of the more uh logical arguments behind what it is that you're doing and i know that uh i still catch myself doing that uh even like today it's it's like i i will catch myself being like i know how i feel in my heart of hearts about drug abuse and about substance abuse and about and like self-empowerment through ways that are going to be healthy and i don't mean self-empowerment in the way of like you know supremacy but just in the way of like no, knowing I, your worth as a human being i don't think there was any malice or ill intent in what you were saying i, I think you jumped to white power <laughs> yeah, like, it's, I guess to, to get back on track, what I was saying, um, it's just I, I know that a lot of people and myself included make a lot of excuses for things that they don't think are an issue. And it may not be an issue yet, but down the line, it could end up really fucking your life up, man. I could just be driving with a bag of weed and get pulled over and have a cop on a bad day be like, I'm going to arrest you and fucking you know, charge you to the full extent of the law because you were driving around with drugs and shit. And like, that's a fear that I've had for like my whole life uh, is like, I can just get busted for doing this thing that I think is innocuous. And it's like the end of the day, it's still illegal. <laughs> yeah. I'm still, you know. Well, so, okay. So now I'm curious, um, wh- wh- what, what is it that you are recovered from? I used to have a massive problem with uh, pain medication. Oh, okay, I, okay. I, so that, 2013, uh, uh, on my way to a photo shoot for uh, my girlfriend at the time uh, in Minnehaha Falls, we were T-boned by a semi-truck, and I compound fractured my right femur. I was rushed to HCMC, and I had, like, uh, like they gave me a blood transfusion, I believe it's the word. And they, uh, put a, uh, rod in my femur from my hip to my knee. Um, and then for about eight months, I was crippled with a brace on my leg. And after eight months, uh, all the muscles in my right leg had atrophied. 
and I had to undergo like incredibly painful physical therapy to learn to walk again. And I still have like an awkward gait to this day. Like if you watch me walk, I sort of walk with a limp and every once in a while my right leg will just sort of like pivot and give out. And one of my legs is uh, longer than the other now. Um, and, uh, after that, it was just, uh, I was in a, I think I was in a neck brace for about two weeks and then I was in the leg brace for eight months. I couldn't do anything by myself. Uh, I essentially like was more depressed than I had ever been in my life because I was essentially like, I'll never recover. I was reading things online from people who had like similar injuries to me and they're like, my life never was the same again. And I, I was pretty much like, I just like want to die. Like, I don't, I don't want to be alive anymore. If I might be like possibly crippled for life. Like I was like, I, I had taken the luxury of mobility and being able to be ambulatory, uh, for granted for my whole life. Cause like, I grew up like watching jackass and shit. So I was just always like a little daredevil kid fucking jumping off roofs and shit. And then suddenly I get faced with my mortality in a very real way. That wasn't just, Hey, you accidentally overdose on drugs. It's like your architecture of your body is never going to be the same. You will never be able to do what you used to do. You, I, I can't even fucking like jump on a trampoline really without like being in pain. Wow. Um, so I just like sort of had to start like being the dude that's like, yeah, I guess I'm gonna sit this one out. You guys have fun. And uh, the only thing that made me feel better about that was just like taking prescription pain pills and taking way too much of them and sitting around just sort of being like, man, it's cool being this close to dead and not actually being dead. Dude, I, this is all starting to, I'm starting to remember this now. I had completely forgotten about that. Gosh, did you come to Nordic or maybe I ran into you somewhere? Or no, it had to have been Nordic. It was, I think it was the, the same show when, uh, when Maddie climbed the speakers. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep. I think I must've been complaining about my back or something. And you said that you knew exactly how I felt. And then we kind of dived into that, but yeah. yeah, I, Cause I think I asked if it was like an accident or something like that, yeah, or if you'd have work yep, done or any hardware. Right. Wow. Yeah. I, I'd forgotten about that, but that's, that's such a heartbreaking story. And <laughs> did the guy try to drive away or did he blame it on you guys? I'm trying to remember. It was a, uh, so it was a left turn yield. And, uh, as far as I know, I mean, again, I'm not a like master of anything i don't know much about anything but magic the gathering and uh, so i uh I, I from what i've been told and this was like from like a legal counsel because like i i had an ambulance chaser uh who fucking represented me for my case uh because we we live in a no-fault state i was the passenger i had oh. nothing to do with either vehicle like uh you know being at fault i was just in the wrong place at the wrong time and uh the uh, the semi truck drivers apparently are supposed to stop at yellow lights. They're re apparently required to do this, and it's just a, a thing. It's a liability thing for semi truck drivers. And we were at a left turn yield, so we were supposed to be yielding to the oncoming traffic, which was the semi truck driver because it was like a flashing yellow. But with uh my girlfriend who i was uh driving with who who was the one driving she had recently gotten her license and like studied immensely hard for her test and that was unfortunately her undoing because she was like no semi trucks are required to stop at a yellow so essentially in her mind it was like well he has to stop so he's going to oh wow and he didn't <laughs> and uh i was uh actually like half asleep 
uh, on impact because I had just gotten off work. Uh, she picked me up from work at Jimmy John's. Like I was literally in my work uniform when we got hit. Um, and, uh, I, I, w I like woke up, like had like sort of like my head on the window and I woke up hearing like a car, just a car. And it was our tires screeching. And then just looked to my right and saw just enormous semi truck right next to me about to hit me. And then I blacked out. Like I didn't feel the impact. I just like, that was the last thing I saw. And I was like firmly convinced. I was like, I'm dead. That was, uh, this is death. I died. I just died. Like I was just killed by a truck. Wow. And I was, but I was like, but I still have consciousness. Like this is fucking crazy. And I was sort of like, huh, this is death. Wow. But I was just unconscious. And I was, I can very, very vividly remember that. Like, huh, I'm dead. And I was just like seeing blackness and hearing nothing. And I was like, this is death. I was right. It is nothing. And then, <laughs> I, and then I got uh, woken up by paramedics. They like stuck me with a local anesthetic and uh, I like looked around. First thing I saw was like smashed windshields. So I was like, okay, we definitely got hit. And uh, we were in the process of moving. So there were boxes all the fuck over the place that had just gotten munched up from the impact. And, uh, I looked to my right and my right elbow was clamped between the door and the roof of the car. Uh, Cause like it crumpled up when it uh, like on impact. And so I was just stuck in that. And I was like, Oh fuck. And I looked down and then just see my leg and my bone was sticking straight out of my pants. Like it had broken through my pants and like was just sticking straight out about a good inch. And, uh, I start screaming, you know, I, I usually try to be like, Oh, I'm the funny guy. I can keep my cool in any situation. I was screaming my ass off screaming, help me, help me. I'm going to die. Help me, help me. And like, it was the most helpless I've ever been in my entire life. And like, I, I always try to be like the guy that brings levity. So I even hate telling the story cause it's so morbid and it just brings the room down. You know, like, I just feel like I need to like crack off a fart every time I tell this story cause it's so <laughs> depressing. Um, so there's gotta be some PTSD associated with that. Yeah, I so I was d clinically diagnosed with post-traumatic stress disorder because of the accident and what I had to go through and like physical therapy and all that shit. And um, I I had uh, a couple of like triggers that triggered flashbacks. And uh, it was the first time I tried to shower after the accident. Um, my shower at the house I was living at was a standing shower in the corner of the basement. And, um, my, I, I was, I felt so ashamed because my father was the one who was like trying to help me take a shower. And I was like, my father is like looking at my fucking shriveled, naked, emaciated body right now. Cause I had lost a ton of weight and like, I looked like shit. I felt like shit. I was literally crying because my dad was staring at my like disgusting naked body. And I was like, I want to fucking die, dude. This is miserable. And like, I, I was like, is my dad seriously about to like scrub my shriveled dick? Like I'm a fucking baby in the bathtub. Like this is my life now. Like just kill me, dude. And, um, he, I, I, I kind of yelled at him. Like I snapped at him and I was like, I'll do it my fucking self. And he was like, okay. And he shut the door. And as soon as he shut the door, I like, I felt closed in and I felt like I wasn't going to be able to get out by myself. And I lost it. Like I completely freaked out, like started banging on all the walls, like screaming, get me out of this room, like get me out of here. And like, he had to pull me out like naked, soaking wet and like hurl me up onto my bed. Cause I was in fucking hysterics. And the only thing that calmed me down was like, 
three morphine pills. <laughs> and uh, so then my brain did the old classic Derek thing of like, this thing made the bad thing go away. So this is the good thing. And uh, it became eight months of me just being painfully addicted to pain medication and not telling a goddamn soul about it. They were just like, wow, he's really suffering a lot. He goes through these, these pain pills a lot. You know, he's in a lot of pain. And it's like, no, the pain stopped four months ago. Now I just don't want to feel anything, period. Yeah. God. Thank you so freaking much for, for being willing to, to talk about this stuff so openly. Oh, no, I th thank you for giving me a platform, I guess, to be open about stuff. I feel like, uh, I don't know, I feel like I sort of come off to a lot of people as sort of like a, just like a snide douchebag. <laughs> uh, like, like, no, there's just a lot rattling around the old noggin. Well, <laughs> I, I mean, like a lot of people. <laughs> it's, it is so difficult to come out of the other side of that. Um and and be able to to give positivity to something so so fucking awful i mean so how did you get sober from it honestly i i had a day where it was pretty much like yeah my girlfriend left me because i did because of this my life is in shambles i i i'm like a useless human being because all i want to do is be like as close to dead as possible and i basically had a, a, a horrible ultimatum with myself of either like you know basically nut up or shut up it's like if you want to die so bad then die and if you're not going to do that then be honest with yourself and know that you need to change shit and it's like am i ever going to say that that's good advice to anyone hell no that was like honestly one of the worst things i could have ever done because that could have easily turned into me just putting a gun in my mouth yeah I, I was just talking to somebody today uh, who who had opened up about some stuff um, about how even if you're not a depressed person, when you remove that thing that was raising your dopamine levels, depression can absolutely swoop in. And that's why, um, you know, when, when people are coming off of, sub, of substances, they ask them if they're having any suicidal thoughts. It's because your whole system is just th completely thrown out of whack. There's so many things that your body does to try yeah. to get you to bring that thing back into the fold. Withdrawals are not just a craving. A lot of people think that withdrawals just means, oh, you're craving a bunch and that you're sweating mm -hmm. because you really want your substance. No, your body literally doesn't know what to do because you've, you've been substituting, um, you know, a naturally occurring thing. Yeah. Yes. Yes. There you go. Did you go through yeah. withdrawals? I did. I yeah. did. And, uh, I was, I was going to say to, uh, to answer your question better. Uh, I, it's something where it's like a, almost a, a pride thing for me of, uh, I, uh, I, I had a terrible breakup in 2016 with this person. So I still have a thorn in my side about it, but, uh, had, uh, had the person who I broke up with in 2016, not come along at the time that they did, I probably wouldn't be around anymore. Um, because they weren't, they weren't like the person who, where I was like, I need to stay alive for them. I was like, I need to stay alive. And they've convinced me that it's for me and that I have value. And it wasn't like, they weren't even a romantic interest at the time. It was just a friend of mine that was like, you're killing yourself and I care about you and you need to stop. And it was me like being faced with my problems, knowing that like 
I if if I didn't listen to like the one person who was gonna give a shit and like care enough to be like you're not the same and I want to know why you're not the same and like divulge from me because it's someone who wasn't very close to me at the time she had uh, dated someone who I hung out with in high school and we were friends because of that and so she was just sort of like in a cursory fashion like I care about you you're a human life don't let yourself like fall by the wayside like this she helped me to kick what I was, you know, addicted to for uh, almost a year, but just turned it into now I've replaced it with something. It's sort of the methadone for the former uh, heroin addict. Sure. You know, it's like I, I have something that still gives me this partial numbness, but I'm not literally destroying my body. And that's uh, it's it's such a hard thing. Um, you yeah, hear... to try to say that at face value and be like, I'm not destroying my body. I swear. <laughs> <laughs> well, and, and not, not just that, but like there are, um, I, I see it all the time in, in, um, sobriety groups that I'm a part of and, uh, and shows that I listen to where because we doesn't seem to have, um, overtly bad, um, side effects, um, that it, they, they, they wonder if that can be a substitute for the substance that was destroying their, their body and their lives. <laughs> but every time, at least from the professional perspective, like even though weed isn't a gateway drug for an addict, you're activating that exact same pathway and it's it's just like um, with kratom and opiates, you're mm-hmm. you're keeping that system alive, and it may not be today, it may not be tomorrow, it could be twenty years from now. Who fucking knows? But it could activate something that 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 makes you want to have something else, or just it can be so innocent. That's the other thing. It can be so innocent that you just think it's a wouldn't it be funny if I snorted a line of Adderall right now? Wouldn't it be funny? If, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like the, these weird things that we tell ourselves that like, Oh, it's kind of funny that I, I did this thing when I was high or that w- I did this thing when I was drunk, but mm-hmm. for addicts, yeah, it's, it's that it's just a sliver away from, from going right back to that shit, which I'm not trying to preach to you or anything like that. But with every oh, time no, that we have somebody on who says that they still smoke weed, I, I say for me, I have to remain abstinent from all of the things because I'm just an addict all the all the way. If you feel that your addiction has uh, become detrimental to yourself and those around you, then you should, if you're starting from from uh, ground zero, just do get rid of all of the things. And I think Kim, you were saying that. Uh, or you'd said it on previous episodes that uh, for addiction they do like highly highly, highly recommend you quit everything yeah including cigarettes mm. yeah. any, any nicotine stuff yeah. because yeah you are you're just replacing eat, yeah 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 it's something uh, something people don't want to hear a lot is the term crutch because people like to think like no I have a good handle on who I am and what I do and I do this because I have the choice to, and it's almost like an illusion of choice that people impart on themselves where it's like, you do have a choice on the beginning, 
for the most part. I can't speak for every scenario, obviously. Sure. But it at, at a certain point, it's unfortunately not in your hands anymore. And that's the problem with addiction and with spiraling out of control and with being like, you know, uh, for example, to use a lighter example, cigarettes, where it's like, oh, I'll wean myself off. I'll smoke half a pack a week or I'll smoke half a pack a day for a week and then I'll go down to a quarter of a pack and then I'll be done. And it's like you're tapering, I think, is a good idea in terms of not having to deal with as intense withdrawals, but allowing yourself regimented supplies of something or rather like regimented doses of something is it's it's another one of those weird sort of, uh, you know, you create this sort of pseudo loophole i guess where you're like no i i i am doing less so it's still okay to do it and it's it's uh you know there's there's all these excuses that uh people who have substance abuse problems will make for themselves and it's it's unfortunate that it's even at the core sometimes you know while you're even thinking it like this is an excuse and you still can't work past that and that's why I, i empathize so much with people who are like I can't just quit cold turkey. I can't just kick this to the wayside and things like that because it's it's not easy for anyone and a support network is pretty much the most important thing in my opinion. And if I didn't have people and professionals to help me with my problems, like if I didn't go to therapy, because like I can't say it's all just one thing that's what made me you know, get off of certain substances. Cause I, and I can't say I'm fully clean because I still drink occasionally and I smoke weed a lot. And so I, I can't, uh, unfortunately speak from a perspective of like, I know how, how it works for me and I can try to impart my advice from being on the other side. Cause I'm not technically on the other side. And I, I guess I, I'm sort of speaking circularly here. I guess I'm going around. No, about- that's fine. I, I, I just want to say real quick, um, Oh, there's a lot of at least I'm not for people. Yeah. Like at least I'm not yes. doing heroin. At least I'm not doing X, Y, Z. Um, it doesn't really matter, but I mean to, I, and I'm glad that you, you're saying these things in the way that you are, because it is a process. It's not just like the light switch comes on and then you're suddenly clean. Like there, there are, you know, a lot, a lot of hurdles to get over to, to obtain like a, a, a level sobriety. And it means different things to different people. I I completely understand that. Um, and I, the, but the thing that, um, like, uh, uh, what are they called? Chemical dependency counselors say, uh, Hmm. what's, what's the most detrimental thing right now? What, what can we get rid of right? Like if you're in danger, like if you're in trouble, they want to find out what's, what is the worst thing right this second. And so if the worst thing for you was opiates and you've been able to remove that aspect from your life, then that's fucking huge, man. And it, it shouldn't like any type of substance that you're using now, that shouldn't mean it's not an excuse, but it also shouldn't mean that you're not trying yeah. And, uh, I, uh, I guess I was sort of, uh, I just, I always like to cover uh, my own bases cause I've been 
hoisted on my own petard way too many times and have been painted as a very hypocritical seeming and looking person based on things that I've said publicly versus the my practices privately. And so I always nowadays, like just in my constant effort to just try to be a better person, I like to take it on the chin immediately and be like, I am not an expert on substance abuse or the way out of it or how you get involved with it or even how to cope with it when you're dealing with it. I can only offer what I've had to deal with and hope that that can help in some way. Yeah. Well, and I'm curious. So like for you on days when you choose not to use any substances, what, what is, what does that look like for you? A lot of the time it's, uh, I, I get sort of, uh, I, I hate to use the term cause it's, uh, it's, it, denotes something far more serious than what I'm talking about. But uh, I guess sort of manic where I, I want to, I, I want to get a lot of shit done. I never know where to begin. I feel very frantic, uh, but uh, I'll, uh, that's normally just in the morning. I, I also, I take an anti-anxiety medication. And so if I haven't had that in the morning yet, I sort of psychosomatically, I'm like, Oh, I've had my anxiety medication. Oh, you got to take that or you're going to be off balance, Derek. And so I, I do a lot of stuff that's just like psychosomatically freaking myself out. And uh, it, it, when I get past that, honestly, it's usually just a lot of, uh, I, I hate to say it, but clarity. So on those days, though, I, that's usually when I get my, my the most like work done, honestly, because I, I make sketch comedy. I do a little bit of music. I do like art stuff and so i i normally just like to like go like nose to the grindstone on a day when i'm not doing stuff and then i sort of am like as a reward now you can smoke weed or now ah. you can do a dab because you actually did something that isn't just vegetating all day that's interesting so and the, I've, I've talked about this before but um there is a lot of i'm sure you've heard of um tolerance break Oh, of course. Yeah. 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 So there's a, the controlled addict, which is to say I can not smoke for as long as I want to. There's people that can go, you know, a couple months without doing anything. But in the back of their mind, they're like, it's because I know that I can I can do it whenever I want to. I can pick pick a bowl and 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 rip it. And like there's things that we tell ourselves that it's fine because I know in the long run, I'll be able to, I'll have it again. It's okay. I'm going to survive yeah. this. And so, I mean, Definitely. that's interesting when you, when you say like that, that manic feeling, um, do you think that because, um, I, I mean, not for everybody, but marijuana can, uh, can bring that relaxing sensation and uh, make you sleepy and all that fun stuff. I wonder if your body's just not used to being so aware because it does, it dulls your senses slightly, um, some more than slightly, but I, w I wonder if your body recognizes that and is like, Oh man, we could do anything right now. We can smell all the things we can taste all the things. Mm -hmm. And, uh, but I feel like I do wonder, yeah, I feel like you're spot on. Do you, so do you have ADD or ADHD? No, never like diagnosed, but I, I definitely have some sort of like issue with 
learning and shit. I was the worst in school. I, I, I absolutely hated everything that wasn't English or something where I could write a paper. Like I, I didn't give a crap about math. I, I only liked like history because like, I thought it was cool to be able to correct my teachers. Cause like, I was just a, I was, I was a, such a jerk in school. Like I just, I don't know what the fuck my problem was, uh, but I was a complete asshole. Like I was that kid that like everybody else in class would be like, dude, shut the fuck up. You're going to get the whole class in trouble. Cause you're being an asshole. Just stop. You know? That was Chris and, uh, Duke. I, oh yeah, man. <laughs> and I didn't even go to high school with him, but I know that's him. <laughs> my, my friend said, uh, said it best. There's the, there's the class clown. And, and then there's me, which was ad nauseum. So <laughs> like the class clown who didn't know how to turn it off. So, yes. And, and I mean, I've, I've, I haven't been taking any medication for my ADD at all, but you remind me a lot of, of myself. I see a lot of, <laughs> <laughs> well, I hear a lot of, I should say, um, of similarities and I, I know exactly. Yeah, man, I, we, we have a lot in common <laughs> oh yeah and so that how old yeah, sorry, are you again 26 26 okay um so you're like halfway done um yeah okay <laughs> <laughs> halfway there halfway there yep <laughs> um i how do i word this <laughs> do do you have a looming sense of addiction when it comes to the substances that you're using? Like, is there a slight anxiety when you think about not using or an irritation, I should say? Definitely. Um, that's something I wouldn't even pretend isn't there. Uh, thinking about a life where it's like, you just stop smoking weed right now. Like the last time you smoked weed will be the last time you smoked weed. You're done. That scares the shit out of me. And that's that me saying what I just said. I can't tell if that scares me more <laughs> like that. That's the big problem is like, am I more afraid of being able to let go or am I more afraid of the fact that I am having that struggle to begin with when I like to think I have such a good handle on my own mental health? Yeah. Well, and there, there was a, a night uh, before I admitted that I was an alcoholic. Like I would say it thinking that I was um, being, uh, ironic like or funny. Yeah. No, what's, what's, Oh, um, uh, like facetious. Yeah. Facetious. There we go. Um, yeah. but I would never, like, I'd never wanted to admit it. And there was a moment, uh, Kim and I were sitting uh, in our living room and she would say like, okay, are you ready to say that you're an alcoholic? And I would get so mad. I'd be like, no, mm -hmm. I just know that I need to stop drinking for a little while. And we'll see what it looks like at the, at the end of the tunnel. Like I just the, just the thought of having to give any ground on that means that I don't have control and that frustrated me. So I completely understand that, that feeling it's so, and the reason why I said irritation is because you feel like, you know, yourself so much better than what you're saying. Yeah. And so it becomes so frustrating. Yeah. And it's, uh, it's almost like, uh, there's, it, it took me forever to even understand where the frustration came from. And cause I just thought, Oh, I'm ornery because I'm not doing the thing. I'm not taking my happy chemical, you know, that's why I'm upset. And it's, 
it's a lot more complex than that. And it was a lot harder to unpack where it's like, it's not just this that's upsetting me. It's that like in the back of my mind, I have these anxieties and I know that like you, you uh, speaking in the first person, like me, myself, <laughs> you <laughs> know that you have a, a problem with substance abuse. Cause whether or not people want to think you can abuse marijuana, we already covered this. You fucking mm -hmm. can, you totally can. I do it every day. Um, and it, it, it's, it's something you don't want to face when you feel like you are almost like for lack of a, a better word, like a beacon for certain people where it's like, Oh, he was able to get away from what was, what was ailing him. So if we listen to this guy, he'll be able to give us the good information, you know? Mm. And it makes you feel like a damn fraud when you go home and you're like, yeah, but I'm going to, I'm going to go home and take like a fat ass dab and then just vegetate all night. After I told everybody like, Hey man, get off heroin, get off pills, get off this and that. I'm going to go home and do some drugs. It just, it makes you sound yeah. and feel so scummy. And so there, there's that internal struggle coupled with it. And that's, I think the, one of the worst parts of addiction is the shame that yeah. addicts do feel. And it's, it's because you, you feel like you're letting yourself down. You feel like you're letting people around you down. You feel like you're letting people you haven't even met down because yeah. you know, these are, it's like, you know, I could have, uh, potentially had a friend or something but i was at home getting high you know and yeah. it, it's a uh, it's these are things that i plague myself with a lot where it's like do you do you think that you're really benefiting yourself as a human being by sitting around getting stoned a lot mm. and i i've told myself a million times yeah because it makes me the funny guy it makes me funny makes me write scripts makes me come up with good jokes all that stuff and it's like at the end of the day are you are you really sure that that's actually happening and are you sure that even if that is happening that it outweighs the money you spend the the time you spend the the things you forget the the things you don't accomplish is it really worth all of that yeah. and um that's something i've had to struggle with for damn a long time and I, and again even using the word struggle talking about weed i almost feel like i'm like a fraud and because yeah. it's it's have you seen Half Baked? Um, I feel like everyone's seen that movie yeah. when uh, when Dave Chappelle is like at the Narcotics Anonymous meeting talking about how he's addicted to weed and they all boo him. Yeah, <laughs> um, yeah. That's that's exactly how I felt. Where it's like, oh, it's like it's uh, again, it's it all goes back to like it's the joke drug. What do you mean you're addicted to weed? Just stop smoking, you dumbass. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's so funny. It's like if you were to if you were to not know what anorexia was, mm -hmm. if someone said, I just, I can't eat, I don't do it. It would sound ridiculous. Oh, definitely. So like comparatively when people think, well, you can't overdose on weed. You like, what, what is it bad that happens? You just, you get sleepy and you, you get the munchies. I don't understand what's yeah. what's the problem until you see people in the ER who become psychotic from smoking way too much weed. Yeah. Well, and yeah. I can say dabs two two dangers. One, what she was just talking about. Two, mm -hmm. if you hit too big of a dab, you can lose consciousness momentarily. I've seen it happen. If you <laughs> drop and hit your head, you could you could be paralyzed. There's I mean yeah. you that 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 I would I would urge you to if you can. I mean I would love it if you're able to kick whatever you think brings you down, but dabs I would I would be extra psyched if you could knock that shit off. 
<laughs> yeah, dude, that's a, that's the thing where like, uh, I, I always was telling myself, like, I think I started doing dabs in like 2015, 2016. I was, I, every time I'd see that shit, I'm like, that's fucking drugs. Cause I always try to tell myself, I'm like, weed's weed. It's a plan. It grows from the ground. You know, all this cognitive dissonance bullshit that I like to tell myself to make Beautiful myself feel better word, about by it. The way. Beautiful words. Uh, <laughs> thank you. Thank you. <laughs> I read books. Uh, so, uh, <laughs> you know, uh, so, uh, that big word I said. Uh, so, uh, with that going on, uh, I, I, I like to, uh, like pretend like, you know, that's, that's the, that's, okay but then i see a fucking blowtorch and dental tools and shit and i'm like that's fucking drugs that's drugs yeah. this guy's got a blowtorch and dental tools and this stuff that looks like ooey gooey shit from inside an alien and a rid or like a goddamn ridley scott picture this is fucked up you know this is not right and then uh people were like you know basically just like hey yeah, you're a pussy just do it and i was like oh yeah well i don't want to be a pussy <laughs> so yeah. uh mm-hmm. so i i did it and i was like oh my god that's like i just smoked like six whole bongs to myself this is the greatest thing that's ever happened <laughs> and, um that that was probably actually one of the worst things that could have happened to me because there was it was basically like full speed ahead from there i was like oh yeah weeds for children this is this is the real notes <laughs> i i don't know if you've done any any research into like the way that the the three um the three steps of like um your cognitive the cognitive part of your brain how it works midbrain you have no control over your limbic system, which is says, is this a good idea or is it a bad idea? And then your prefrontal cortex says, all right, we figured it out. That's a good idea. Let's do the thing. So when you're using substance, your midbrain is tricked into thinking that that is a literal survival need. So it Mm -hmm. bypasses your limbic system and goes straight to the prefrontal cortex and says, fucking do that thing right now um so i mean when the 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 more that you do that type of stuff and you think that you've had this awakening of like oh shit i don't need to do the other thing i can just do this thing always a bad idea it's the same this like hard doing a bunch of hard liquor (laughs) is way way worse but some people have gone through that that motion so many times that their brain goes, oh, well, now this is just how we have to handle it every single time. And so oh, yeah. that shit just, you you literally carve out a pathway in your brain that uh, gets deeper and starts to cut away at, at important aspects of your, uh, you know, your uh, decision-making system. Kim Duke, what yeah, are your thoughts? I, yeah, I agree. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I don't know if you know this, Derek, but Kim is a mental health professional. I had no idea. Yeah, I work in the emergency room. I do mental health assessments. Yeah, I hope I haven't made myself sound like too much of an ass. Then I'm no, like, Look at absolutely not. Words. You've used big words. <laughs> <laughs> no, I thought you. No, you're very, very well spoken. Well, thank you. That's one of the few things that I can hold on to, I think. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And it's a deceiving thing. That was another problem with me was like people like us who sound deceivingly fine. Mm-hmm. Like Kim could never tell when I was drunk, like towards the like for the last couple of years, like I gave no signs because I still spoke the same way that I speak now. And yeah. And so people think that you don't have a problem because you don't sound like you have a problem. 
Yeah, because like I I hate the term like functioning addict, but that's like mm-hmm. what it is, you know. I had a counselor say because uh, somebody had said uh, functioning alcoholic uh, in a in a meeting, and she go she said I that that phrase shouldn't exist. We need, yes, so stop it's... saying functioning addict, functioning anything, because it's a facade. You're tricking people. You're not functioning. Oh. So this, this lady's, you know, she said all that. And then she said, um, let's be functioning. Mm-hmm. Take the other part out. Let's just be functioning. Uh, well, Derek, any, any words of wisdom you'd like to impart on the, the already plethora of wisdom that you've <laughs> <laughs> laid forth on these fine listeners? I, I'm, I'm happy you think that I even imparted any wisdom at all. That's very nice. I usually think I'm a very, a very dumb guy, uh, but I guess um, you guys are so well spoken about this stuff. And I, I gotta say, like right off the bat, in my my closing sentiment here, that like I, I appreciate what you guys do with this show so much because as someone who does comedy, you're not trying to shoehorn in being funny into this. You're not making light of anything that's serious and that's something that people struggle with and being transparent and being able to be vulnerable about things is very difficult for a lot of people. And the, the unfortunate reality is that a lot of people suffer in silence because they're far too afraid of the reaction of people around them when they do talk about, Hey, I'm not entirely as well put together as I put off. And, uh, it's so it's, it's very heartening to know that there are people that can put aside like, Oh yeah, no, I'm Mr. Funny guy to be like, but I actually like, give a shit i'm not using you know your i'm speaking for you i apologize but like, you're not using a platform <laughs> to to be like uh anyways uh, check out my fucking show coming up now that this guy has gone uh, on a soliloquy about how he almost <laughs> fucking died you know and it i appreciate it so greatly and i uh, i just want to say to like listeners like i'm i'm not an advice guy I just, I can, like I've said earlier, I can speak from the experiences that I've had and I can try to impart just a little bit of, I guess, for, I hate using the word because I don't like to hoist myself, but wisdom. I can just try to say like, this is what I've experienced. This is what I've thought. And this is how I've felt. And I think it's important to, I guess, just listen to the people around you, talk to the people around you. Don't belittle people for being in a different place in life than you we're all just people trying to be our best hopefully and to get through addiction a support network was the most important thing for me and not suffering alone was the most important thing for me so if there's anything that i could give that's even akin to advice it would be if you don't have a support network through family and friends and you don't have uh, like the best finances for say like a medical professional or something, you can definitely look into different avenues of like, whether it be uh, they do like subsidized uh, loans and things like that to see therapists. They do. Uh, there are some places that do free consultation for people who don't make enough money to actually see uh, a legitimate therapist. If, or, or well, I hate to say legitimate, you know, just a paid therapist. No, and uh, yeah. there, there are avenues for people to take who nece- who don't necessarily, necessarily think that they have the means or the network to even try to expand a network but there are people out there that are willing to listen and care and i i've been connected to 
different professionals just through literally calling crisis hotlines. I don't like to use the term suicide hotline because it like makes it sound like, oh, you can only call if you've got a gun pointed at your head. No, I like, like that no, you these... said crisis because, yeah, that's what they're there for. Yeah. And so I, I had to call someone and completely open up and say, I'm not fully convinced that I'm going to kill myself, but I am in the worst turmoil I've ever been in in my life. And I just need to talk to someone. There are, there are people out there for that. And I think just the most important thing is not suffering in silence. And if you are suffering, reach out to someone. And even if you don't think that what you're dealing with is suffering, if you don't want to go extreme and, you know, take it to like that sort of route and say like, oh, I'm in an e extreme turmoil, even if you don't think it's that bad, it's still important to just talk about it. If you have even the, uh, the, the biggest problem or the smallest problem talking about it, it's the first step to solving it. Yeah. I don't even know if I have anything better to say after that. My yeah. gosh, you ended it. That was beautiful. <laughs> Well, well if, if you I'm do, glad I didn't sound like a complete idiot. No, no. I like that you turn around. And you're like, it's not just for suicides for crisis. Because I always tell people that too. Like, well, I'm I'm not feeling that bad, but it's like whatever you deem is a crisis in your life. If your dog is sick and is in the vet hospital and he's not going to die, but he's not doing very well, if that's a crisis to you and you need to talk to someone, that's a crisis. That's what they're there for. That's exactly. what they're there for. I think that's yeah. I. I think that's fantastic. Uh, do you have any social medias or anything you'd like to throw out there? Um, I again, I, I don't want to use it as a platform to be like, okay, now go to uh, Uncle Chuck's Fuckle Knuckle while I make jokes about you know. Uh, well, no, I, uh, I I think in the realm of if you do go to a so we're comedians, that's okay. Yeah. It's <laughs> if, if you do you know when things open up and, and people come out to see you i think you're somebody worth talking to you're somebody that's approachable and so i i don't normally ask for people's social media um so oh yeah i'm open to converse with anybody man i love it i i can't stop talking i'm always like oh yeah put me on your podcast dude i won't shut the fuck up it'll be a three-hour <laughs> episode man well i mean but, uh, I, we, yeah, I think we'd I'm be happy Twitter, to have you on again Oh, I'd love to be, but uh, yeah, I'm on Twitter at uh, Stolen VCR. I I tweet some <laughs> dumb stuff, um, and then I do a podcast called Alone Time with Derek and Derek and Tubes, um, and it's uh, I, it's just a bunch of bullshit, you know, typical podcast. Three white guys sitting around thinking they're funny. Um, <laughs> Well, awesome, man. Well, again, thank you so freaking much for doing this, and uh, we'll talk to you soon, man. Yeah, I really appreciate it. Again, thank you so much for what you guys do. And uh, I, I wanted to shout out James again really quick, James oh, yeah. Thompson, because if it wasn't for him, I don't think I ever would have come to the Nordic, Mike, and I never would have met you. So I wouldn't have had the opportunity to have such an actually important conversation to me. So I really appreciate James and the both of you very much. Thank you. Yeah, thanks. All right. Yeah, we'll talk to you soon, man. Yeah, of course, man. Thank you so much. Have a good night, you guys. <laughs> you too. That was great. Yeah. I don't there's nothing else we can say after all. Yeah, that. I mean he did a really good job at then. Um alone time with Derek, Derek yeah, and Shubes. I don't know how you spell Shubes, but if You'll you if you out. watch the video then I'll I'll be sure to, to put it up here. Um well I love you. I love you. Uh and with and with that we will pass. And with that we will pass. Oh wait, only one person's supposed to say it. <laughs> I'll okay. let you say it. And go. And with that, we will fast. And with that, we will pass.